Welcome into Winning at Work. If you're looking for what's trending in the $6 trillion food and beverage industry and you want a fun and lighthearted podcast, look no further. The food and beverage executives and totally awesome brands that are featured here take us deep into the world of sustainability and good for you, organic and farm to table, plant-based, ethically sourced, purpose and mission-based products, CBD infused food and beverage products, how to build a brand, how to scale a brand, fundraising, and more. Welcome to Winning at Work. I'm Tony Moore, expert headhunter, semi-average podcaster, and I interview the best heads in the business. Want to give these brands a little love? Give them a boost? Well, let's make this a top 10 podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating, follow us on LinkedIn, and leave a comment. You ready to win at work? Let's go. Welcome to Winning at Work, everybody. I am your host, Tony Moore, and I am really excited to introduce to you uh, Greg, Gorg- Greg Gorgone. He's the co-founder and COO at Pineapple Academy. Greg, welcome uh, welcome into the show today. Well, thank you, Tony. And uh, it's actually pronounced Gorgone. You pronounce the E at the end. <laughs> Gorgoni. Okay. Well, well, let's just chalk this up to another foot in mouth uh, moment. So hopefully, if that's my only mistake today, then I'm uh, I'm I'm winning. I love the name uh, pineapple. That to me is the symbol of hospitality. And I I I don't know. Is that kind of is that kind of the the reasoning behind that? It actually, it's exactly why we did it. Uh, you know, our mission was to create culinary cultures because our viewpoint is a, a good culinary culture will result in a hospitality environment, both front of the house and back of the house. And so you, you can't have a good hospitality experience without having great food and great service from the food service staff. So uh, that's how we ended up with pineapple. And that's why we used it. Uh, in our name. What brought about this mission or, or vision that you have? I've had the, the privilege of traveling across the United States, uh, visiting different hospitals and senior living communities and helping them uh, do on-site training and process improvement you know, projects to help them from anything from menu planning to just general training to full-blown kitchen designs and planning and things like that. Anything food food and beverage related, um, I've been involved in it. And uh, you realize after a while that a lot of the problems that you, you see in the industry uh, are, are similar. People are struggling with the same things. And it really comes down to food and beverage fundamentals as far as I'm concerned. Um, I had the privilege of going to culinary school. And so I, I, I learned the nitty gritty of, of how to be, how to prepare food uh, at the very beginning of my career. So that's always stuck with me. And it's something I know that has helped me tremendously, but not everybody has that opportunity. Uh, but the information is still valid and the, and the information should be shared. And, and the problem you see, even in 
kitchens where there might be a, an actual trained chef running the kitchen, they often don't have enough time to really spend with the staff to train them. And so I, I felt along with my business partner, Tucker Graves, we felt that we really need to have a fundamentals type online training experience where it's available to anybody and it's, and it's delivered inexpensively, uh, but it's, it's content that food service workers really need to have in order to create a foundation. Uh, I think a lot of people leave this business because they're just not, they're not trained. They don't really understand the opportunities, uh, which are tremendous in food service. It is a, it, it is a huge employer, uh, both, you know, both in food manufacturing, but across the board, um, in, you know, with restaurants and, and non-commercial and, and manufacturing and all that it, and equipment, it's a huge business. And so for people to leave this business without really understanding all the nuances of it uh, makes me a little sad because um, I, I think it's, it's done me very well for 40 years. Um, and, and I get a big kick out of helping others uh, find their path in, in food service. There was a movie years ago called Shangri-La, and it was about these hikers that stumbled upon this absolutely perfect utopia. Of course, that doesn't exist, but in the movie, once they found it, one of them realized it and they stayed. And the other, not realizing it, left. Yeah. And after they left, they realized, what a mistake. And they right. spent the rest of their life trying to get back. So interesting parallel that you're drawing between, you know, giving food service workers an understanding of just the potential they have to develop a, a fascinating career. And frankly, I've heard this story from others that once the food and beverage industry kind of hits you, once you see the passion behind it, you really don't want to leave. So it sounds like what you're doing is you're helping organizations really move into more of a culinary culture Correct. where all the workers see the potential and you're giving them the tools, you're kind of recreating the environment. So, you know, businesses, frankly, can, I think, solve a little bit of that uh, retention problem that we're seeing right now, exactly which is, right. yeah, yeah the, exactly big, big, right. the big, big issue right now, right? It really is. I mean, you know, you, you hear the stories, you know, uh, I mean, I've heard this story my entire career, but everybody, you know, talks about how important the dishwasher is or the pot washer. Well, you know, uh, and it's absolutely true. I mean, these are these are valuable positions that, and they're indispensable. But what are you doing to help that person? Um, you know, giving them a job and, and, you know, minimum wage is not helping them in any way. Uh, but giving them a job and training them to be proficient at, at what you've, you've hired them to do, but then also cross train them into other areas in the operation Suddenly, you have someone who was a pot washer on day one, and a year later, they might be your best line cook. Um, you know, and so it, it's it's a little bit hypocritical. I hear sometimes that people you know talk about the value of the staff and all that, but if you're not doing something to develop that person and give them the tools for number one success in the job you hired them for, but number two to give them the opportunities to learn other things in the operation so they can, you know, get a pay raise and, and move up in the organization and have greater opportunities. Uh, you're really not doing anybody any favors. So what industries does Pineapple Academy focus 
we have now uh, entered into an agreement with a reseller of our content who is actually going to take it out to market and, and sell it across all food service uh, market segments. Uh, it could be restaurants, hotels. Anyway. So we have a, a lot of content like our basic culinary and our commercial kitchen cleaning course. Uh, that are segment neutral. Uh, they apply as, as long as you have a commercial kitchen uh, and you're producing food uh, of any quantity, uh, the, the information is valid. Now, when it comes to healthcare and senior living, you know, regulatory compliance aspects, they're not quite the same as the other market segments. Um, and so, you know, we have content around that as well, and that might not be as applicable, say, to a restaurant. Uh, but we also offer, as an example, ANSI certified programs from Always Food Safe for the food handler, the eight-hour manager, allergen awareness, which is, you know, is something that is needed by all food service operations across the country. So we have different tools and things that we that we have available for everybody, and we'll be making a bigger play over the next couple of years, uh, expanding those offerings to those other. Uh, non-healthcare market segments. Well, as I just think through this, I think about fast food chains or grocery stores, C stores, yeah. uh, stadiums. These are these are places where obviously there's you know food service workers, right? But often, oftentimes, I never get the feeling that it's hospitality driven, right? right. It's uh, I don't know, maybe we call it transactional, maybe where Absolutely. It, right. It's a job and they're right. not, they're not thinking, how can I, you know, improve the guest experience? How can I right. give the best products, the best food? So it seems to me that there's a huge opportunity here. And this is really why you're here today, because when we were talking kind of offline, you, you've got some pretty practical steps that you could help, you know, a company that's listening, a CEO right. that's listening to this, right. And they want to, transition to more of a cult what do you what do you call that a culinary a culinary uh, culture yeah culture okay right why don't you walk us through first of all just give us an overview just kind of run through an overview and then maybe we can kind of go into some detail and you can kind of walk us through in more specifics sure so i mean if, if you if you instead of looking at what what the organization specifically needs in terms of tasks that are done on a regular basis. If you kind of flip the narrative and kind of look at the employee perspective and what their experience is coming into your company, you know, first finding you and then coming into it. If you kind of, if you kind of change your lens to look at that, um, I think you're going to, kind of open your eyes to the experience that your current employees or former employees have experienced. And so, you know, even starting with the, the interview and onboarding uh, process, I mean, I have witnessed a lot of interviews. I've been in a lot of interviews and I've conducted a lot of interviews over 40 years. And, and I've been shocked at some of the, um, let's say less than comfortable or nice interviews uh, that I've, I've watched restaurateurs or hotel people give employees. They, they just treat them like, you know, they really don't mean anything. Um, and so, you know, when you have somebody come to see you and, and they're interviewing for a job, it, it's sort of like, you know, 
that person's time is valuable also. And so I would argue that the interview process is where all this begins, where your culture begins. And so um, I, that would be the, the one of the first things I would say about, you know, look at your interview techniques and look at how you conduct your interviews and, and what you're trying to accomplish with that. The next thing I would say is, what, what is the onboarding? Um, I mean, I've started jobs and I've seen other people start jobs, and you know, like places I'm consulting at or, or see what happens. And, you know, it's like, this is someone's first day of work. It's a new experience. And it's amazing how much employers or supervisors or managers just take for granted or not put themselves in that person's shoes with enough empathy to realize that this is a very nerve wracking day. It's a very exciting day, uh, but it's also a nerve wracking day because you're walking into a situation you don't know anything about. Yeah, it might be food service and you might be familiar with that, but you don't know the culture. You don't know the people you're going to work with. You don't know who the customers are. Uh, there's a lot of things you don't know. And so that first few days uh, particularly the first day when you walk in the door, what does that experience look like? Um, you know, we, you know, the food service industry can get, you know, look towards the the technology uh, sector uh, and Silicon Valley and see what they do for their new hires, and and you can understand why people get attracted to some of these companies. You know, they walk in, the first thing they do is they get swag, they get hats, yes. mugs. It's like welcome, welcome, welcome. You know, they get they get taken around, introduced to people. They meet the CEO. They do this. And it's like, hey, welcome to the family. You know, it's like you're part of something bigger now. And we're glad you're here. And we're here to help you and blah, 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 blah. I mean, why wouldn't you want an experience like that? I mean, think about it. It's like, you know, do you want to walk in the door? and You're just another, you know, time card to this person. Um, how long are you going to stay there? You know? Which is why they have this huge turnover problem. Imagine showing up and you've got a, you get a smock or something with your name embroidered or something, you know, it's exactly right. Or, or, you know, you walk in the door and you're on your first day, you don't even have uniform, uniform parts to give them. You know, how does that make that person feel? It's like, Oh, you know, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not dressed for the job or I don't have a, you know, the, another classic one is, you don't have their name badge and their clocking information ready to go. And, you know, they can't clock in and out for like a week because no one can get around to get this guy in the system and give him a proper badge and ability to, to clock in and out. I'm sure you're, you know, this is, this is familiar territory to a lot of people. And it's just not very respectful to that employee. The other thing is just understanding that, you know, to build your team, you need to give the new the new hires, you know, a, a training tool as soon as they walk in the door, um, you know, and this idea that you're just going to shadow somebody else is really kind of an old school way of looking at training. Um, number one, if that if that trainer is busy, uh, they're not going to give that person the time or attention that they need. Number two, if that person already has bad habits, all they're going to do is teach those bad habits to the new person. And the next thing you know, you, you don't have an advancement in your culture. You're just doing the same old, same old all the time. And you're going to end up with, guess what? The same outcome you've been experiencing all this time, which is high turnover. And so if you take a few minutes to really evaluate how you recruit, interview, and onboard employees, I think 
I think if you can be objective about it and, and let that empathy come through and, and just look at it for what it is, I think a lot of people will find that it's not the most pleasant experience uh, to get someone in, in the door. The other thing is, is having programs uh, like apprenticeship programs um, or career development programs. It's like, you know, what are you doing for your people to develop them so that they can move to the next step uh, in the pecking order here? You know, how do I go from pot washer to dishwasher? How do I go from dishwasher to prep cook? How do I go from prep cook to cook? How do I go from cook to line cook? How do I become a supervisor? You know, or, or I, I'm interested in the front of the house. How do, we, how do I become a busser? How to become a server? How to become a dining room hostess? Um, you know, the, these are all steps that we've all had to take in this business. And so um, it should be part of the experience for the employees, regardless of your size, uh, because others have to go on vacation. You as a manager or owner, you're going to want to go on vacation. Um, and, and this is why people get burnt out in this business because they don't do enough uh, uh, career development and, and training other staff so they can, you know, take up slack when somebody doesn't show up or somebody needs to go on vacation or, you know, God forbid, someone's got to go to a funeral. You know, it's like, you know, uh, it, it's like you need to be able to live in the real world and understand that things happen. And, and you need, you're going to need help from, from your own team. So what a better way than to develop your team and give them skills that they can use in other positions to help support what's going on. I agree. You know, talent management should not be reserved just for your superstars and for yeah. your future leaders. Yes, you have to have that. But yes. what you're really saying is bring people in from the very beginning in that interview process and let them see the kind of path that they could go on. Yes. And they they take a part in that. They say, here's where I'd like to be. Oh, I can do that. Here's where right. I want to go. And then eventually you begin to see the the gap in their skills. It's pretty exactly straightforward. Right. You're going to need this set of skills. So therefore, as you say, shadowing is not enough, right? They need no. to do some very specific training so they can start building those skills in that area. You know, it just sounds like common sense, but it, it's just not being done. It really isn't. And, and, and what I would say also to, to your audience here is, and everyone listening is the fact that there are programs actually from the both state and federal government to get reimbursed for training dollars if you create an apprenticeship program. So um, there are approved positions or job functions that are recognized as um, a profession, like a chef, as an example, um, you know, that is a recognized profession that you can get reimbursed. If you give that person a training program that's built around the qualifications by the Department of Labor, and you can just call your state Department of Labor and, and they're, they're there to serve you. And, and show you what their state requires for you, what kind of paperwork you got to submit and what they're looking for in these programs. And, and you do that. Yeah, there's a little bit of work up front and it might be a little bit of a pain. Uh, but once you get it done and it's submitted, uh, you're off and going. And all you got to do is submit that person's hours and, and the cost of the training. 
uh, at certain intervals and you'll get reimbursed for it. So it's not even a budget issue necessarily uh, all the time. So that's something I would definitely highly uh, recommend. And if you don't want to go the Department of Labor uh, route, you certainly can have your own internal apprenticeship programs. Uh, again, with the idea that you want to create future managers and leaders in your organization. Uh, I think it's a very important thing. And as part of those uh, apprenticeship training programs, you got to have competency tools and competency checks on the team. So you've got to have designated trainers on staff who can check out the skills when somebody has said they have, they have met uh, the, the competency of, say, knife skills, somebody needs to come up and, and, and schedule a time with them where they can observe those knife skills. Go, yes, Tony has knife skills now. He can move on to the next thing that he has to learn, uh, as an example. Um, these are like five-minute interactions, but what it does, it gives everybody in the team an opportunity to show their stuff. It gives the, the coaches... Uh, to, you know, skill sets on their own to become, you know, supervisors and coaches. Uh, I mean, all supervisors, managers, and leaders need to be a coach. I mean, I think that's the other thing, other message I would say to you is that develop coaches, you know, let's, let's get our management staff and our supervisors in the mindset that they're there to service the people under them. Um, you know, yep. servant leadership. Calling. Pardon? Yeah, servant leadership. That's exactly what I was about to say. That's exactly right. So, you know, um, and, and this doesn't mean that that you're just, you know, you're only there to accommodate them or, you know, you got to take their dry cleaning to the to their clothes to dry cleaning. Yeah, I, I better rethink that because that's what I have my uh, interns do. <laughs> so, so I, I think, so yes, uh, servant leadership is is real and it, it is something that very successful companies if you analyze what they're doing, it's definitely that viewpoint where management is there to support the staff because the staff are getting the work done. And, and so it's the staff that makes the food. It's the staff that serves the food. It's the staff that has the conversations with your customers. You know, there isn't a business owner out there that can honestly say that I speak to every single customer uh, or service them myself. I mean, it's just not possible. Um, you know, unless you're a one man, you know, vending operator, a one man band, you know, with, with a with a hot dog cart, uh, you know, uh, th that's just not this. There's no truth in it. So I think that th those are the, those are the high level things that I would say that need to get done. Greg, where where can this competency tool come from? Is there a a skill base that they can draw from, or do they have to kind of create that? for well, every kind of step along the way? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I'll do a little self-promoting here. I mean, the Pineapple Academy was, was developed specifically to handle these kind of things. I mean, I see. we have the tools and the ability with the, our online pr training program to have this uh, competency check skills. We have certificate programs. We have pathways for success for your operation that can be tailored to what, what the needs are of your organization. And so, you know, I, I think in all honesty, and I don't really know of any other competitors out there that are doing it exactly the way we're doing it. We like to think 
that that ours is a better way of bringing that content uh, to the students. Um, all of our contents in five minutes or less. So it's very digestible. Uh, it's like the, a YouTube style uh, training courses, tra training videos um, that are built one on top of the other. So you don't need to know anything about food service. You can hire somebody with a great attitude who loves food, who gets excited about being, you know, being part of your team and you bring them in the door and we can get them on the right pathway to teach them the right way um, so they can become a valuable contributor to the team. I should have you send me a check because I literally was not trying to set you up like that. I really did not know you. I didn't well, know you. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this is why I'm so passionate about the subject is because I've, I've based my whole business on, on this premise. And, and, and it's because I have witnessed it myself through, through all these years that I've been in food service from the day I became a pot washer, uh, you know, I've I observed from the moment I walked into that restaurant back in Amherst, Massachusetts, uh, back in the early 80s, uh, that, you know, I, I, I was fortunate. I had, I had a good mentor. The sous chef there was a great guy. And he, as, as soon as he saw I was eager, he started training me. The very first thing he trained me on was how to become, how to wash the, the romaine lettuce for Caesar salad. And the second thing he taught me was how to use a 10 inch French knife to cut the lettuce. And so, um, you know, that sticks in my mind. Uh, here we are, you know, 43 years later, uh, I'm telling you the story and that's how much of an impact it had on me personally. Uh, and, and that has set the tone for my career. Greg, as, as we wrap up, tell us what do you, what, what, what's, what is your best idea to help another executive hire someone, or maybe it's not even an executive. Maybe it's just a, a manager. I think the first thing uh, that we all have to do as managers is really evaluate um, the, the job descriptions and the job flows of what is actually, uh, you know, what people are actually doing and really understand each position in, in the kitchen and in, in the food service department and how one does tails to the other. And I think you're going to find that probably a lot of your job descriptions and job flows are probably outdated. Um, and so I think you have to take a fresh look at that, like on a regular basis, you probably need to have it, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's a quieter time of year where you can just, you know, continually refine and look at, at the job flows of everybody in the kitchen. Um, so that way, when you're when you're interviewing somebody, you really know what the job is and really understand what it is you're looking for. But you also want to look for that that other layer of attitude. And can you envision this person, you know, running this kitchen one day? Um, is this someone who's going to be with you for a while, or are they just looking, you know, for a part time job while they're going through college? But at least you know what their expectations are. Um, there's nothing wrong with hiring a high school or college student when you know they're only going to be there for three shifts a week for a couple of years and then they're gone. Because that, I mean, those are those are important positions to fill as well. And, and they give you some latitude with your full-time people. Uh, I'm not discounting that. But for everybody else who's going to be a full-time employee, if you can't envision where they're going to be three years from now or where they could be with some, some mentoring and coaching and training, um, then, 
you know, you probably need to look at that. Uh, like I said, that that interview and hiring process a little tighter, because if you're not hiring somebody for a future, as well as meeting today's needs, then I think you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing that person a disservice. Um, and unfortunately, in food and beverage, particularly in the restaurant industry, there's a lot of knee jerk reaction to hiring. Uh, going back to my experience, my very first restaurant experience, I had put an application in with this chef, actually just in the restaurant, and I dropped it off. And a week later, I got a phone call at five o'clock on a Friday evening from a guy who identified himself as the executive chef of this restaurant. And his pot washer was a no call, no show. And he was hoping I could come in right away to help him get through the weekend. That's how I got hired. Um, and so less than an ideal situation, uh, fortunate for me. Uh, but do you really want to be hiring people because you're desperate? Um, you know, how did you get, how, how did you become desperate in the first place? You know, that's what, that's the question that needs to go through your head. Right. No, I, I think that's a very practical way to go back and reevaluate how you're hiring and taking a fresh look at, at, at attitudes. Yes. And, you know, to your point, you know, if, if they don't have good manners, you know, if they're not <clears throat> respectful of others, if they're not um, showing signs that maybe they're a foodie, you know, it's going to be hard to see them, you know, running, running the operation. That's well, right. Greg, I, I got to tell you, I, I really appreciate, you know, what you're doing to improve the overall culture within food and beverage, because it's been talked about quite a bit on this podcast yeah. and on others that we have a retention, we have a turnover, we have an attraction problem. And once you take your kind of, I think you called it that transactional environment, that transactional yeah. culture, once you begin to make that transition into a culinary culture, now you can tell stories. Now you can, you know, bring a new uh, potential employee in and they can meet with someone that they might em want to emulate. And that person can say, you know, I started as a dishwasher. Exactly right. It's like, wow. Okay. Yeah. These guys aren't just talking because there's a lot of washing over things, right? Yes. <laughs> in, 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 you know, in the green space where there's a lot of green washing. And so you can kind of culture wash too. Yes. And this eliminates that, right? Proofs in the pudding. Here they are. It really does. I, I'll give you an example. Uh, somebody that I know who's done some work for me and, and is a respected chef who does a great job. She got hired to be the corporate uh, chef for this restaurant company based in Massachusetts. And she ended up staying less than two months because the solution that this company came up with to save money and time was to make all the managers work 75 or 80 hours a week and eliminate the hourly positions. Beautiful idea. So this is these are people who are there to manage and have career development, but all you've done is turn them into, you know, basically, I, excuse the, <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to go there. But yeah, I mean, I think we're going to fill in the blank there. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's really, I mean, you talk about, um, you know, taking advantage of a situation in a really all the wrong ways. Not that managers shouldn't be able to jump in and do tasks. I'm not saying that at all. Believe me, even in my management years, I've done more pots and pans than most. I mean, I get it. But at the same time, uh, you can't take these managers and just think, you know, they're going to do all of this and, and we're going to we're going to save money. 
uh, th that's really not, that's not career development. That's not, that's not creating a healthy culture. Well, Greg, this has been fantastic. And I, I really hope people do go to your website. In fact, why don't you tell us your website and some of the best ways for people to connect with you? Sure. Obviously, LinkedIn, I'll, I'll tag you on LinkedIn, but yeah. what are some other ways? I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, we also have a company uh, website under Pineapple Academy on LinkedIn. And our, our website is pineappleacademy.com. Could not be more simple. As a matter of fact, right there on the top of the website, there is a free 14-day free trial. You can go in and put your email address in there and we'll get you, you can go into our system and take a look at all of our courses. Greg, thank you so much. This has been uh, very helpful. Well, thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. And thanks for the opportunity to speak to you and, and your audience. No, it's, it's great. This is uh, an area that definitely needs to be increased because you know, 2022 needs to be the year of, I don't know, the food and beverage comeback. There you go. I like that. All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you.